0: Our Bible reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 15 through to the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Paramount Baptist Church. If this is your first time here, it's wonderful to have you with us. My name's Travis. You're going to have to listen to me for the next little while, but hopefully you also hear from God in the midst of that as well. We're going to continue through our series on Ask, Seek and Knock. And I have to say, there's something really cool. Like it's actually a bit of a privilege to be speaking on prayer right next to tangible expressions of our commitment to pray all throughout this year. Is that exciting? I reckon that's really exciting, and it's been great to actually chat to people over the last couple of weeks and have this sense both in myself and together with the body of Christ that God is doing something in us and through us this year, that there is actually an excitement, an expectation of how God will answer, how he will move in response to us deliberately and intentionally, praying that he would transform lives this year. So I don't see these as some sort of vague commitment to pray throughout this year and oh yes, that would be a good thing that I think we probably should do as a family. I see these as intentional, deliberate commitments that are full of faith and full of vision that we're praying for transformed lives this year and I can't wait to see what God is going to do as we pray that throughout the year. So today we're continuing to to unpack a little bit about what we're talking about, this ask-seek-knock pattern throughout the year and I want to start by giving this really old school quote Quotes. Does anyone read authors who don't write in the last 20 years, Christian authors? You really should. There's like two millennia of Christians who have been writing some really awesome stuff. A guy by the name of Andrew Murray writes this, and it's this idea that's calling the church to pray. And he says, We need to understand the context. We need to understand that there is a world that surrounds us, that is in desperate need, and is entirely waiting to be helped by intercession. There is also this God in heaven, this all-loving, powerful Father, with his all-sufficient supply for those needs, waiting to be asked, and there is us, a church, with its wondrous calling and its sure promises, waiting to be roused to a sense of its wondrous responsibility and power. And so my heart today, you know, through this Ask series, in fact, throughout this year, that we would actually see and take hold of our wondrous calling and the sure promises that we have in Scripture to be heard by God, that he is a good father who longs to give good gifts, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that something within us would actually be awoken, if you like, we were stirred, um, roused to this sense of, actually, this is a responsibility that we have as God's people, and there is a power In us and for us as we pray, because we're praying to the almighty, loving, heavenly Father. God is looking for intercessors, was the chapter of Andrew Murray's book. God is looking for intercessors. He is looking to his church. His ears are open and inclined to hear our prayers. And so this morning, we're asking the very simple question, who are you praying for? In light of this, who are you praying for? Well, I don't know if you've um, ever had this experience. I think this is a classic Christian experience, or maybe this is just a classic Travis experience. But where you're standing around with a bunch of Christians, and you're talking to someone who clearly has something going on in their lives, and they're unpacking that, and they're sharing that, and you're giving your advice, and you're hearing them, and you're sympathising, and you're expressing your well wishes, and then somehow, it hadn't occurred to you, but someone jumps up and goes, can we pray for you right now? And you know that little feeling of conviction of, oh, why didn't I think of that? What was going on there? Or you're talking about someone with another believer or another group of believers, and it's someone that you know that that God just has more for. He's got more freedom for, more life for, more whatever for. And you're talking about this. Sometimes you might be complaining about the headspace that they're in and the behaviour that they're exhibiting in the life of the church. And someone goes, well, why don't we stop and we pray for them right now? Has anyone ever experienced that little weight of, ooh, no? (laughs) No? Well, thankfully, this is a praying church, so you can pray for me throughout the year. But I experienced this quite a bit, and it's one of those weird things that it's somehow that we have this understanding of who God is, that, that He hears our prayers, that He responds to us in prayer, and it's not always our first response to go, "Well, then let's pray for that person. Let's pray about that with that person." I grew up in the first experience of, of seeing people pray together. I wasn't a Christian yet. I was at a conference. There was a bunch of different church youth groups present been invited by a friend uh, and the session would finish. And then as a lot of teenagers do, plenty of them would kind of flee out of it. Like a lecture at uni had finished or a class at school had finished and we got through the hard, hard heading bit. Now we can go and have fun. And yet at the end of all those sessions, I would see these group of people that would come forward and stand at the front waiting to pray for others. And that some would choose not to go and play pool with their friends or tear around outside, but would actually come forward and receive prayer. And as a early teens non-Christian, I recognised that something significant was taking place over there and got to experience that for myself as I gave my life to Christ that weekend. But I wonder for us whether there is a sense that over time our response, our natural inclination to pray and actually to pray with faith, pray expecting that God's hears, praying that that encounter is, is a significant moment, whether that diminishes somewhat. And we go back to that saying, oh, well, I'll pray for you during the week as if it's a get well soon card. It's just something that you say that's nice and it's pleasant and it's polite. Well, the whole idea of this series is birthed in Matthew chapter 7. Verse seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So first point for the note takers is let our faith rise. As a church, as we've committed to a year of intentionally and deliberately praying that God would transform lives, would we let our faith rise? Because as we believe that God hears, as we believe that God moves, as we believe that God is active and at work in the world and in the lives of those around us, doesn't it just give us so much more impetus to actually pray and to pray with faith and to pray with courage and to pray with clarity? beginning of the year, we went through the letter of 1 John, and 1 John ends with this great verse, that this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, there's the disclaimer, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have it asked of him. I don't know if there's been any real move of prayer or any real consistency in a person's intercession life as they pray for others without this element of faith. It would be ludicrous, wouldn't it, to think that people would devote themselves to prayer if they didn't feel that God was somehow able or willing to hear and to answer that prayer. And It's been my experience over decades that the greatest prayer warriors I know are certainly the most faithful people, but they're also the most faith-filled people because it animates their prayer life. It motivates, it gives clarity, it provides the impetus. It just makes sense. They genuinely believe that as they pray, God hears and God is able to encounter the person in whom they are praying. So let me ask that question again. Who are you going to pray for this year? And how are you praying for them? And what does that reveal about your faith You know, I uh, missed out on the whole Sunday school thing, and I know a lot of you enjoyed the whole Sunday school thing, Uh, but I think as adults, it's, it's not the worst every now and then to go back and revisit some of the Sunday school stories because it stirs up our faith. So if we're going to be a people that we want to see faith rise up as we pray into transformation in people's lives, my encouragement is to go back to Sunday school. Go back and hear stories of God responding to prayer and bringing an entire nation out of slavery and across the desert. Go back and read the stories of giants being defeated. Go back and read the stories of cities falling as God's people walk around in prayer and worship. Read the stories of God's judgment coming across his people and then someone rising up to intercede and to to plead to God on their behalf like Moses does for Miriam and God's people after the golden calf incident. I think it's really important for us to have that element of faith as we pray for others. It will not only inform our prayers, but I think it will motivate us to pray and we will pray some big, bold, courageous faiths that transformation, God would bring transformation in a person's life. So I was watching a, a little podcast this week, and someone was criticising the person in the podcast, quite rightfully so. There was an American who'd, who'd visited Australia and felt uh, now eternally equipped to commentate and evaluate our society. And, and there was a bunch of things that were, they were really ill-informed about it. But there was a phrase that just really stuck out to me. And one of the things this lady had said who'd visited Australia was back in the States doing this speaking tour talking about Australia. She said that Australia, particularly in relation to one of our very large nations further north, is sleepwalking through history. She accused Australia of sleepwalking through history. I thought, what a great phrase. Forget the politics and forget the context. But could it be that as a church, that we are sleepwalking through salvation history? That we've not actually woken up to the spiritual realities of this current age? That our eyes get dull and our hearts satisfied with so much less than what God would have for those around us? That we gather out of routine and comfort of the familiar, instead of with expectation that God can move, that we see each other as we are and just go, well, that's so-and-so. That's just who they are. That's where they've got to in their life and not sit in that place of holy discontent, wanting, believing, praying for more for them. I remember this story from a couple of years ago where there's this young person in our church who was going through a really tough time and it was affecting their relationship with God and the way they saw even church and, and other believers. You know, they share that it's Bible reading and just even their times with God were not satisfying as, as they were going through all this stuff in their life. I remember this heart cry stirring within me. Have you ever experienced that? Steve shared a moment in his life last week. But every now and again, God stirs us with this heart for people to believe for more. And every time I see someone who has encountered the living God afresh, or hear a story of transformation, I'm reminded that God is still at work in this world. Do you believe that? and I'm encouraged. My faith is stirred afresh, and I, and I want to see more of it. I want to pray into that for others. Those people that I've been, oh, they're just, that's just where they're at. That's just this, their journey. It stirs me to go, no, there's more for them. and want to pray for them, to bring them before the Father believing. You probably don't know this, but, but on, on Friday night, two young people gave their lives to the Lord for the first time. Two first time, amen, like two first time. Yeah, no, come on, you've got to defend that. <laughs> you hear stories of that and you're reminded God is still in the business of encountering people. God is still in the business of drawing people home, of adopting them into their family, to actually encountering encountering them for themselves. We've got to have the faith and we've got to believe that that's possible for the people in our lives, that that's not relegated to youth group. That's a young person's thing. Oh, it was probably some emotional night. No, it wasn't. God encountered someone personally through the work of the Holy Spirit in light of the work of Christ. We've got to, in that context, be praying for these people that we're committing to pray for transformation throughout this year. Let our faith rise. One of my favourite quotes is Max Licato on prayer. Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. And this I see reflected in the prayers of the New Testament. The New Testament is obviously filled with letters about the person and work of Jesus, his life, and what he did, but also letters instructing the church. But throughout it, there are some records of lengthier prayers. Usually the writer, usually Paul, is praying for those on the other end of it. And I see this kind of faith in Paul. If you want to read these later, Philippians chapter 1 has a great prayer. Colossians chapter 1, again, a substantive prayer. 1 Timothy 2's got a little one. And Ephesians 1, which we read earlier. And Ephesians 3 have... Cracking good prayers from the apostle. Um, I believe that's a theological term. But I just want to draw your attention to just a few of the things in these prayers. Now, as we allow God to stir up our own faith as we pray for people in our lives, but Philippians chapter one, he's praying for them for a lot of things. But in verse six, he says this: "Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus." So, for Paul, there is this faith, there is this expectation, there is this confidence that God is continuing to encounter the people that he's praying for. That God is continuing to be alongside and work in the people that he's praying for. And it gives this kind of energy and this strength, this vigour to what he prays for the believers in Philippi. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he encourages us to pray for all people and specifically mentions key positions of leadership within the world. But in verse 3, he said, "'This is good.'" To pray this. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved. So Paul has this faith. He has this expectation. He has this confidence that as he prays to God, he is praying into the very things that God wants to do in the world to actually bring people to that saving knowledge of the gospel, of the good news. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he, he's, he's praying that God would continually fill them with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Paul has the faith, he has the expectation, he has the confidence that this is the work of the Spirit in a person's life. And so to pray in accordance with that, To pray that the Spirit would encounter that, why wouldn't he be praying that? Because that's the very thing that the Spirit is sent into our lives to do. And then those great ones from Ephesians. And I love the way that he wraps up his Ephesians chapter 3 prayer. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Do you get a sense of the faith with which Paul prays for people? the expectation that God is currently at work in the people that he's praying for and will continue to be at work in the people he's praying for. And that actually enables him to set the context for the very things that he prays. I think you should write Ephesians 3.20 along with Matthew 7 in your journals or on those table ask cards. As you're praying for people, we need to pray in light of the fact that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within us and within the people that we're praying for. So we're going to pray with faith this year. We're excited to see how God is going to answer and work in people's lives. When Paul prays, he prays believing. When we pray, we should pray believing too. I've had the opportunity to pray for a bunch of people over the years, and like most believers, I've had the chance to be prayed for lots of times over the course of my life. And sometimes when things have been going really bad and really in really hard spaces for me as well. And have you ever experienced being prayed for and you just had a sense that the person praying for you when you could actually hear their prayers just completely empathised with you. Having someone pray for you and and knowing that you know that you know that that person cares so profoundly and so deeply for you. Have you had that experience? I really hope you have and I I hope you've had it here. Chances are, as you've prayed for others, you've experienced that as well. Sometimes you pray and it feels a little bit like going through the motions. Maybe it feels a little bit token. Someone's come to you and said, well, here's the problem. And you say, let's pray about it. and And you pray about it. And other times you've sat with someone and you've actually listened and you've heard and you've felt towards them. And then from that place you've prayed for them. Is that a very different prayer? I'd love it if faith rose up in us as we pray. But I think a really important follow-up to that is to let our hearts move as well. To actually allow us to sit with and to feel the burdens of one another to actually have that weight on us, that actually this person that I want to pray for, my heart goes out to, that they might experience freedom from that addiction or they might experience the life that Christ has actually won for them or whatever it is, but to actually feel that makes a huge difference. Steve last week reminded us that what we care about, we pray about, and that what we pray about reveals what we care about. I think when it comes to thinking through who are we praying for, it's really important to actually engage not just our head, not just to identify somebody, but to actually allow our hearts to be engaged in that as well. To actually allow God to place a burden on our hearts for someone else. Because then we can't help but keep going back to God in prayer, back to God in prayer, back to God in prayer for that person as we feel for them. We want to let our hearts move in response to people, but we also want to let our hearts move in response to God's heart for people as well, to see them as he sees them, to want for them what he wants for them, and then to pray in line with that as well. I continue to see this in the apostle Paul and some of these prayers that we have recorded for us in the New Testament as well. You just get this sense that Paul's not just going through the motions when he prays for people. He's not just thinking, this is my Christian responsibility as an apostle to the Gentiles. You get this sense that his heart is genuinely for the people that he's praying for. And I think it gives a weightiness to his prayers. I think it informs his prayers. I think it directs his prayers to be very personal towards them. And He's praying for groups here, but I think we can kind of obviously take this and think about the way that we pray for individuals as well. But almost every time that he prays or there's a recorded prayer in Scripture, there's some reference to the relationship that he has with them. So in in Philippians 1, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. You know, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. A couple of verses later in Philippians 1, verse 7, he prays, And it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? That you would lead into praying for someone by actually saying, you know, it's right for me to feel this way about you. It's right for me to feel that I want you to experience more of God's grace. It's right for me to feel that, that I want you to experience more of God's love. That that area of your life, I actually want it to be transformed. That, that, that idol in your life, I, I actually want God to remove it because I have you in my heart and to pray from that place of deep affection. Colossians chapter 1, same thing. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So, so there's something there that Paul is responding to, to the very nature of the people and their life and their witness that he has heard about. Same is true in in Ephesians chapter one as well. And uh, you can read out to Timothy one, three, constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing. Uh, So let our hearts be moved. As you're thinking through, as you're identifying, who are the people that I'm going to be committed to praying God's transformation through throughout the year? Don't just Pick them out of a barrel, or go. Who do I think needs the most transformation around me? Actually, allow there to be some sort of heart response in that as well, and allow that to come from God, not just from yourself. So our vision for this year is not just that we end up praying for the people that we really, really like and that are really, really close to us. So don't don't hear me say that. It's like, well, if I need to pray for people that I really care about, I'm going to pray for my wife, I'm going to pray for my daughter, and. yeah, sweet. That's it. Right? No, you don't think bigger than that. And part of the heart that we can have for someone, God can place a burden on us for a people group that we've never even met. That's how often missionaries are called into service, that God places a burden on their heart for a particular people group that they've never lived among, they've never met, and yet somehow in there, there is a genuine move in their heart and in their spirit to reach out and to pray and to intercede for those people. So think through that way as well. Could be someone in your workplace that you really don't like, and I really want to hear one of those testimonies soon, because I just think God is bigger than than our feelings, and sometimes when I'm talking about let our hearts move, I'm actually saying, let God move our hearts to be praying for those people in our lives. And finally, let our prayers matter. And this is Steve's sermon from last week, so I don't need to go over it for a huge amount. Um, Of course, we are going to, in the natural way that we do life and interact with people, we're going to pray for those who are sick. We're going to pray for those who are in trouble. We're going to pray for key decision-making stuff. We're going to pray for the give us today our daily bread stuff on behalf of people as well. But I'm talking about praying the big prayers here, praying the kingdom prayers. That's what last week was all about, praying that your will, God, would be done in their life on earth, in their life, in their lifetime, as it is in heaven. Having the heart for transformation, they would encounter God, they'd be filled with his spirit. And here is where the prayers that we have in our Bibles really excel. And so I guess I encourage you to be reading and thinking through the prayers that are in Scripture and actually letting it shape the way and what you're praying for others as well, because they pray big kingdom prayers. I don't like using people as bad examples, but, but I'm going to do it anyway. Every now and again, people get to pray with me at the end of small groups and you pray for each other. Have you had that experience? Your small groups do pray with each other at the end of small groups. Okay. Steve's in charge of small groups and he got worried there. Okay. But you do. You pray for each other or at the end of a service, you might just be like, oh, hey, let's pray before we go and, and you're praying for it. So I, I get this quite a bit, and, and it's usually from, from, from younger people, so that's fine, because uh, I love their heart for it, and, and I say amen, because I, I do want God to answer that prayer. But I often get, oh, I pray that Travis has a good week. It's not the worst prayer. I'll take a good week over a bad week every week of the year, if God would be so kind. But you're like, what is that prayer? Good in what way? i just going, come on, surely when we're beseeching and interceding to the God of the universe, there can be something so much bigger, so much more kingdom, something so much more faithful that actually comes from a place of genuine heart for the person in this week. And so I love the question that was in our small group material this week, where you actually had to think about what is a prayer that I could be praying for me this week that is in accordance with God's will. I bet no one put down, I really hope that the trains run on time and I'm not late for work this week. Or if you did, maybe go back and do the study again. Or, you know, I'm praying that I, that I, I have a good week. For this week, for whatever reason, I actually put down that I would be interruptible by the Holy Spirit this week was my prayer for last week. That wherever I am, that God would be able to interrupt whatever I'm doing through the personal work of the Holy Spirit in whatever way that meant. So if my mind was gravitating towards things that were idols or they were were silly and they were useless and they were not of eternal value, that God would in that moment interrupt me and redirect me to his surpassing worth and his glory and the things that eternally matter. This is the kind of prayers that we're thinking of. That you'd be in a room full of people and you'd be going about doing your thing and I've got to make sure that this person has signed up for roster and that the back rows of the chairs get packed away before the next service and that God would interrupt that through the personal work of his Holy Spirit who dwells in me and says, that person, go and give them this word from the word. Let our prayers matter. Let's pray the big things for each other. Let's pray in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray in light of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in sometimes the very people that we're praying for. I love this prayer of Paul's in Ephesians chapter 1. You've already read that one, so I'm going to read out the one from chapter 3 as well. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We pray prayers that matter. Pray prayers that are kingdom, pray prayers that are faith-filled, pray prayers that are eternal, pray prayers for people that are going to lead to significant encounters with God, that's going to rearrange their hearts and their lives and their priorities and lead them into ever-increasing transformation as God hears and God responds to the very way that we are praying, committing to pray for people, they would have transformation as God encounters them throughout the year. Let's flip that for a second. Would you love it if there were three or four people who absolutely adored you and wanted the best for you and they were committed to pray to God for your transformation every week this year? Yeah? Would you like it if there were those people who were praying with faith, actually expecting that God would hear I like to think as one of the pastors of this church that I might get prayed for a bit from people in the life of the church Won't do a show of hands. Might hurt my feelings. But even if 10% of this church threw up a prayer once a month for me, right, that's 60 believers in whom the Spirit of Christ dwells, praying that I would encounter God and be transformed. And if you ask me, Travis, what can... I'd be praying for you. If I get to pick one prayer that you're going to pray for me every time you pray for me, it's not that I have a good week. It's not that God keeps my life from trouble. It's this, that God would strengthen me through his spirit in my inner dwelling so that Christ may dwell in this heart through faith. Yeah? And then I'd get it. I'd get how high and wide is the love of Christ and I'd be filled with the measure, the full measure of God. Can we want that for others? Can we actually burn with a passion to see that in the lives of others? Can we carry a burden on our hearts that's going to take us to our knees as we pray to God, time and time again, repeatedly, consistently, with faith and with heart, that God would do that in the life of another? Who are you praying for? who are you praying for? Spend time this week identifying a couple of people and start, make the start. Make the start today if you already know who it is to be praying big kingdom prayers for transformation in the lives of those that God has laid on your heart. Man, can I pray for us in this as well as we begin? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you are a God who hears our prayer. You're a God who invites us to cry out to you. That you, God, are sitting in heaven full of all the riches of, wow, what it means for you to be God. And you're looking for intercessors You're seeking your church to rise up and take care, take charge of their wondrous responsibility and their calling to recognise the amazing power that we have as your children to cry out to you on behalf of others in the world around us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that right now or tomorrow, as we're spending time with you on our own, that, God, you might direct our thoughts, that you might direct our hearts towards some people in our lives. Maybe we know them well, maybe we don't. But you would lay people on our heart a burden to consistently and repeatedly, to intentionally pray throughout the year that you might encounter them in a way that leads to genuine and lasting transformation in their lives. Even right now in this moment, as we've made this commitment together as a church this morning, that something would shift in our hearts, that something would stir in our minds, that some part of our faith that has been sleeping would be awoken up to realise the great power and responsibility we have to be an interceding church, to be praying for the lives of those that you have placed around us. And so to you, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to your power that's at work within us, to you be the glory in this church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.